She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I think everybody in my conference is in favor of the president's position on the wall and on border security. It is no secret that the use of the national emergency law has generated a good deal of discussion. It'll all come to a head on Thursday. The clock runs and the vote will occur on Thursday. Look, I think Nancy Pelosi is clearly already starting to lose control of her party. I think we're seeing that on a lot of the things that have taken place over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm glad that she sees what the rest of us see and that there's no reason, no cause for impeachment. This is the United States of America. There's nothing we are unable to do. Nothing we've ever tried had we failed at. This is America, so it's time to get up. And now, Stacey Washington. America, so it's time to get up. That's Joe Biden for you. Oh, you gotta love old crazy Uncle Joe. Um, I'm, I'm just still. We we have to be praying, when, especially when you sit down to your meals. Is praying for, um, for the truth to ring out, for the, for the, for the sh- scales to be removed from our Christian brothers and sisters' eyes on these issues that are so foundational to the faith, and that people would be on fire for Jesus Christ. That's what we have to be praying for because that's the answer here. Um, Of course, this show is about politics and culture um, and and the Christian worldview. But in the end, the ultimate healer, the one who helps us to be able to understand things when he gives us understanding and he gives us wisdom and the ability to interpret and correctly see the truth, to decipher truth from lies, that comes from God. That kind of brain power, knowledge, know-how, everything that comes from God. We got to keep things in perspective. Um, So yeah, we have now hour two of the show. We're going to be chatting with our good friend, Gabriella Hoffman. She'll be joining us to talk about some conservation efforts and and things. She's she's been really uh, breaking out in that area. Uh, Her career is taking off uh, with freelance consulting and doing speaking engagements and especially talking about conservation. And uh, from from the pro Second Amendment perspective, and from the perspective of a hunter, she's a hunter and a fisher, and really she does just some amazing work. And so we're going to be so glad to chat with her. Right now, I want to pivot over, and and if you've if you wanted to call into the show and you weren't able to uh, to get through last hour, you're welcome to do it right now at eight six six nine six three two zero three seven eight six six nine six three two zero three seven. Um, so let's now get into, we, you know, we frequently have Mark Lauder on the program from the RNC. He used to be the press secretary for vice president, Mike Pence, and he's a fan favorite here on the show. And uh, he was talking about the uh, state of the Russia collusion investigation. And he had this to say, I thought it was fascinating. It's number four. What took her so long? It's been two years, 300,000 documents, hundreds of hours of interviews, and she's come to the same conclusion that President Trump said day one, no collusion. So I'm surprised that it took her that long to get there. So Nancy Pelosi said yesterday, and we listened uh, to the audio yesterday on the show, of her saying that she's never been for impeachment. She didn't want to impeach George Bush. Which isn't it telling just 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 for one second, if we sit and we just say, let's just sit here for a second and understand. Back when George Bush was president and he clearly didn't do anything to be impeached for Democrats want to impeach him ever since the Republicans impeached Bill Clinton. The Democrats have been on a tear. They want to impeach a Republican president and they don't care if you're guilty of anything or not. They're just like, we got to impeach somebody. Let's get it on. 
What's funny about what Mark Lauder just said there, two years and 300,000 documents, multiple tens of millions of American taxpayer dollars and an utter waste of our time and energy. And we still don't have any proof that President Trump is an agent of the Russians. Now, go out on the street, stop at the grocery store, ask somebody, do you think President Trump is uh, working like he's a puppet of the Russians, like Putin is his puppet master? They'll, some people will say, yeah. Oh, he's he's guilty. He's a treasonous you know, traitor to our country. And if you ask them for proof, they'll say, well, they just keep saying that. It's, it's the truth. I know it's true. They're going to find something. They'll leave it to the, now that the Democrats control the House, they'll find something. Really? So, you, you know, you're not willing to consider the fact that maybe it's just not true? We know he's guilty. Well, if you listen to something over and over and over again, you're going to become convinced that it's the truth, whether it's the truth or not. If, if you're into that, you know, if you're into being deceived and that is what we're seeing. So two years, 300,000 documents, Pelosi has now thrown in the towel, but her, her conference has not. Others are pushing forward with impeachment. They don't care that their head boss honcho, the, the red coat wearer extraordinaire misses. I throw on my shades when I leave the white house and make viral memes. She may be viral and she may be scary to some folk, but the the hardcore leftists who are now working on taking over the Democrats, they don't want any part of it. They're going to stick with the impeachment meme, even if it costs them 2020. So uh, Press Secretary Sanders said that 2020 is an uphill battle for the Democrats and that they're really going to have a tough time making it there. This is number three. We're focused on doing what the American people actually care about, whether it's growing the economy, creating jobs like the more than five million jobs the president has created since being elected to office, defeating ISIS, rebuilding the military. These are things that people are sitting around in America that they actually care about. Nobody wants to see President Trump impeached because other than Democrats in Congress who are failing, who have no other message. Um, and that's because our country is doing better. And they know that that is hard for them to run against in 2020. Um, and I, I think they've got a very, very hard uphill battle ahead of them. So not that the economy is the most important thing, but it is hard to argue with people who have jobs, who are making money, who are experiencing an increase um, in, in their pay, um, who have benefited from the tax cut, people who are seeing opportunity, it's hard to convince them that a change in leadership is order in, in order when they're experiencing that. And, and that's the point here. It's not that everything that the president has promised is getting done. We know that's not the case. The obstructionists have really been effective in preventing him from implementing his agenda on immigration. But there are still things to be very, very happy about. And, um, you know, so I, I think people are going to are going to go with that. Um, and it's also tough. Um, it's tough when when you're not having the kind of results that you've been told are going to happen. Like the Democrats have said, there's going to be a recession. It's going to be an economic downturn. There's going to be, um, you know, people hauled away in, in cattle cars. People are regular, you know, people who are gay are going to get deported. I mean, that. Just nonsensical stuff because you can't get deported if you're an American citizen um, unless you're an American citizen through immigration and you commit a crime and you're convicted and you serve your time, then you can be deported. But just being deported because of a lifestyle choice, that's not that's not a thing. Um, so we've seen a lot of just garbage and hopefully um, 
that will no longer be the case. But I'm not so sure. I, I think the Democrats are going to go with what's been working. And the indoctrination, unfortunately, has been working pretty well. Um, so there's there's all of that. Now, I know there was the the story about the planes um, that have been grounded. And I'm only just going to address this. Obviously, there are a lot of these planes in operation, the MAX 8 and MAX 9. But they've also had this major crash for the Ethiopian Airlines jetliner, uh, you know, 150 some odd people killed, 20 of them were Americans. And it's not the first crash. There have been a few crashes over the past six month period. And so what they're doing is they're grounding the plane so that they can figure out what's going on. I also saw a story um, about how the apparently there's been some kind of safety issue reported. um, And it didn't really go anywhere. And so if that's found to be the case, you, you have to wonder um, what exactly, what are, what are they going to do? What are the ramifications going to be? Is anybody going to get in trouble or heads going to roll? Certainly, uh, you have to wonder what's going to happen. President Trump has actually grounded the Boeing 737 MAX planes effective immediately. We were the only country in the world still flying them after the Ethiopia disaster. Um, and the planes are made by Boeing. And it's the 737 MAX 8 and 9 planes. Any plane that is currently in the air will be allowed to land, but then the planes will be grounded until further notice. And it was kind of a surprise announcement that he made today. Uh, We were listening to some audio of that at the top of the hour, I believe it was, over the news break. President Trump made the decision following conversations with Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao, Boeing CEO Dennis Mullenberg, and the acting FAA Administrator. Now, there was new information and physical evidence, which emerged on tragic incidents involving the planes. And he says they're all in agreement agreement on the action. Um, It was 157 people who were killed on the Ethiopian Airlines flight. And a Lion Air flight on a 737 MAX 8 crashed in October in Indonesia, killing 189 passengers and crew. And American Airlines, Southwest Airlines, United Airlines... All of those airlines had not grounded the Boeing 737 MAX planes prior to the president's announcement. Um, Forty countries have banned the aircraft from flying for now. So we will see what happens with that. Uh, As as things develop, we'll definitely uh, bring you more news on that. Um, And, you know, if, if we're going to have the grounding of these planes, hopefully they'll figure out what's wrong and then bring the planes back into operation after they've, you know, taken care of whatever it is that, that was bringing on these, these uh, crashes. Now, I want to talk about the Covington kids for a minute. Um, you know, the Covington kids were the ones who were on a field trip and they had on MAGA hats and they were minding their own business and some Indian tribe guy came over and harassed them and some Democrat took a video of the entire encounter and kind of posted it to make it seem as if the Covington kids were the aggressors. Now... One of the things that is so horrible about this entire story is that these kids were smeared and treated like the worst kinds of human beings by everyone. So then the truth came out with the extended video clip and then people were, you know, upset. They were like, oh, we, you know, we've, we've maligned these kids. And now the kids' parents are suing for like 250 million, I think. And they're suing CNN and the Washington Post and it is the right thing for these parents to do. And I, so I don't, I don't need to hear what their motives are. They have experienced undue hardship due to untruths being spread about their kids. 
and they are right to fight back. Um, when I, they, they're planning more lawsuits actually, which I mean, why not? Why not? When, when the media gets something wrong and they issue these teensy little retractions, that, that, that's not working for these kids. That's not working for what these kids have experienced. Um, and the other, the other part of the big, I guess the, the big deal for me is the media will do this again in a heartbeat. They did it this time and they would do it again. They don't need anything really uh, to destroy someone's life. They'll just, you know, oh, look at this video. Look at this snippet of the video. Not even going so far as to say, well, what's on the other two sides of this video? Is there any video from before it or after this clip that we need to see before we go forward with this story? It's like, ooh, MAGA hats, let's destroy these kids. They've got to be horrible kids. And there have been some stories where, you know, kids have been caught, uh, you know, wearing blackface and doing Nazi salutes and all that. And kids are going to do, you know, they're going to play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Sure. But to destroy them and to say, we need to utterly destroy them for the rest of their lives over a mistake they made in high school. I, I didn't think that was who we were as a country, as Barack Obama used to like to say, uh, that's not who we are. Um, so Yeah. When we were talking about HR1 last hour, we were talking with John York about this bill that would, you know, basically enshrine the Democrats for utter control for the remainder of our natural lives. Um, it kind of puts me in the mind of this story over at the BBC about North Koreans and how they're for- forced to vote. They had to vote in what are called no choice parliamentary elections. So North Koreans are voting to elect the country's rubber stamp parliament, the second such election since Kim Jong-un took power. They vote for the Supreme People's Assembly, SPA, because they have to. There's no choice of candidates. There is no dissent. Turnout is 100%. Approval for the governing alliance is unanimous. And you have to show complete devotion to the family and the current leader. On election day, the entire population age 17 or older has to come out and vote. You have to turn up early. There are long lines and you wait until your turn and you receive a paper ballot with one name on it. You take the paper, put it into the ballot box and you're done. Totalitarianism. The Democrats would love that here. All right, when we get back, we'll have more for you. Stay there. In a move most Christians probably never expected to see, Walmart has created and is promoting a Facebook video ad that normalizes homosexual relationships, and they need to hear from you. The ad is part of a campaign released on Valentine's Day called Love is in the Isle, a dating show at Walmart. Episode two features Pat and Andy, two homosexual men on a blind date as they meet at the store and shop together and discover whether or not they're compatible. Please sign the American Family Association petition to Walmart asking them to remove this pro-homosexual video and remain neutral on controversial issues. It's clear that Walmart is on the path to elevating homosexual relationships to the same level as the male-female model of marriage. Sam Walton must be turning over in his grave. Let Walmart hear from their Christian customers. We'll present the petition at corporate headquarters March 20th. Please sign our Walmart petition today at afa.net. That's afa.net. 
This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. For the last few decades, we've been scolded by everyone from radical environmentalists to simple back-to-the-nature advocates that we have overly industrialized society. It must be dismantled. We need to adopt the ways of the past. I thought about this when reading a commentary by Jeffrey Tucker. He was watching a video by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who was trying to explain why the Earth is headed for an ecological disaster and why we probably shouldn't be having any more children. But he says he was distracted because she was saying all this while carefully cutting sweet potatoes before putting them in the oven. She put salt and pepper on them. Tucker reminds us that salt was so rare during most of human history that it was often regarded as money. Then we figured out how to produce and distribute salt to every table of the world. She was cutting the sweet potatoes with a steel knife. It took generations of metallurgists to figure out how to make steel reliably and affordably. Before steel, there were bodies of water you could not cross without a boat because no one knew how to make an iron bridge that wouldn't sink. She put the sweet potatoes in an oven, but Tucker reminds us that she didn't have to chop down trees and build a fire like 99.99% of humanity had to until relatively recently. And where did she get those sweet potatoes? No one grows them in Washington, D.C. Where did the store get them? Until fairly recently, the sweet potato was trapped in distant places. Now they're flown on planes and shipped in ocean liners and brought to the store by trucks. All of those modes of transportation use fossil fuels. His point is something I've noticed. Many Americans, including members of Congress, enjoy the fruits of technology and capitalism, but at the same time want to eliminate the technological developments and free market benefits that provided them. It is short-sighted at best. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's my pleasure to welcome our next guest. Uh, she's a freelance, really just jack of all trades speaker. Um, she has a podcast, A District of Conservation, I believe it's called, and she's an avid hunter and fisher and supporter of the Second Amendment, Gabriella Hoffman, media strategist and political commentator. Gabriella, thanks for joining the show today. Always delighted to come back on. Thank you for having me, Stacey. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. I'm I'm really kind of pumped up about what you've been doing with conservation and the things that you've been able to um Really, it's it's something that I don't think enough people really appreciate that hunters and fishers conserve so much of our environment and are an integral part of maintaining our ecosystem and even combating some of the things that people on the left side of the aisle, you know, claim to want to do for the environment. Hunters and fishers actually do these things in the course of what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, according to recent figures, excise taxes that are collected on Firearm purchases, hunting licenses, fishing licenses, tackle, archery, both things of that sort. That results in about 60% of conservation funding that goes back to the state wildlife agencies once they're collected by the Department of Interior. So hunters and anglers do put their money where their mouth is and are actually the hidden environmentalists that sadly get pigeonholed and told that their lifestyle is actually counterintuitive to the environment. So it's an interesting dichotomy that you have there in terms of what hunters and anglers do in terms of true conservation efforts and, sadly, what environmentalists claim to do, but they don't put their money where their mouth is. 
So I think uh, for conservatives, it's important we do jump on this uh, on this uh, issue, especially because most people who are consumers of the great outdoors, especially hunting and fishing, tend to vote Republican and be politically conservative. That's according to a National Wildlife Federation 2012 report. So you already naturally have people who vote our way and think like us philosophically, uh, who recreate these lands and, and, and public waterways and even private lands too. Uh, but oftentimes you, you don't get them really touted as environmentalists unless they tend to vote Democrat, which is really sad. So everyone, regardless of your political orientation, should have an equal footing in the conservation dialogue. And that's kind of what my goals are in my consulting work, but also my foray into outdoor riding in the last few years. Just trying to bridge that gap into that conservatives can have a involvement in this issue. It's a critical issue that should unite people and does unite people across different political stripes. Uh, but we don't want to be told that believing in free markets, having a more limited government view, and supporting Second Amendment rights excludes us from that conversation. And that's what you see a lot of people who talk con- conservation tend to do, unfortunately. You know, I'm, you make such fantastic points about um, the way that, so it's, it's kind of like a quiet army of people who don't really go out and do marches or maybe, um, you know, do vocal protests or any of that. Um, and, but they do vote. And, but the thing that they're doing that is so important is, as you said, they're funding through their purchase of items from the permits to everything they use when they're doing hunting and fishing. Um, they're funding a, a tax, it's a stream of revenue that helps to preserve the environment they're also physically involved in preserving the environment through the hunting and the fishing and the things that they do while they're hunting and fishing. And then on top of all that, you're pointing out that these are people who are true environmentalists, meaning it's not a cause for them that they would change their minds on the way that they do things. It's really the mm-hmm. way they live. It's a part of how, of who they are and how they, um, how they live in, in the United States and preserve everything we see around us, these hunters and fishers are silently doing all of that. Absolutely. And they don't need to brag uh, about their accomplishments. A lot of people just want to be left alone. But you see, especially in previous administrations, I would say arguably under the Obama administration, you had a lot of efforts to erode the hunting heritage. You see a lot of radical environmentalist groups like the Natural Resources Defense Council, the Environmental Defense League, Patagonia, even most recently when they were upset about President Trump asking for scaling back of certain national monuments that Mm -hmm. actually were in excess against an existing law, the Antiquities Act, which governs how presidents can either shrink or increase the size or establish the size of national monuments. And it's just, yeah, and and conservatives and, and people who vote Republican who are outdoorsy feels uh, sidelined because there's all this overwhelming pressure and they don't want to dabble into environmentalism because oftentimes they're told they're only going to be liked if they adopt a radical environmentalist light attitude, which some people who are conservative sadly do, uh, or they're just uh, taken out of the equation altogether. But in my foray into the outdoor industry, I have talked with people of different political views uh, who don't want to infringe hunting access and who don't want to infringe fishing access as well. Um, mm. So there are many people who are interested, but they're like lone wolves in their movement, unfortunately. But I, I do think there is a huge opportunity, especially with a lot of the uh, 
policy positions that the Trump administration is putting forth. And even if you don't necessarily support his agenda wholeheartedly, there's so much good that's coming out of it for sportsmen. It's a lot more true conservation. There's a lot of natural resources stewardship that calls for mixed use of exploration, not too much development or too much, not, uh, too much preservation, which calls for no development. And I think that mixed system should be encouraged without obviously developing every certain thing. Everyone wants a bit of wilderness in nature to exist so future generations can enjoy the outdoors, go fishing, take a nice hike, explore their surroundings and to plug from their technology. No one is calling for a total abolition of that. And Republicans sadly get painted as enemies of the environment when their funding, their support of those activities tend to point to the opposite. So Democrats have to be more charitable to them, especially to those who hunt and fish, since they tend to vote Republican and be conservative, as I mentioned, and allow them to have an equal seat at the table. And I think certain people are realizing that, and I think Republicans as a whole are becoming more comfortable. And even non-political people are starting to see that various state legislatures across the country have been putting into place various different bills to ban predator hunting, which helps with management, especially of coyotes. And they even want to go after field trials, which are uh, activities for bird dogs to train them for harsher conditions, for retrieving birds, whether it's ducks or upland bird. And also it goes after winter dogs, sled dogs, if you live in Alaska or some colder region. So they're slowly chipping away at the hunting heritage, and unfortunately, a lot of these people who are proposing this anti-hunting legislature in Mexico, uh, New Mexico, excuse me, uh, New York, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Montana, New Jersey, and two other states uh, so far, and Oregon, and I forget what the other one is. But a lot of these states that shifted from red to blue recently have been pushing forth these crazy anti-hunting legislation. And and much like we have talked about in previous interviews on gun legislation, especially gun control, uh, you see elements of the left trying to do this incrementalism to slowly chip away at the hunting heritage as well. So that should be a, a clarion call for people to pay attention to what's happening in their state legislatures on top of what's happening, happening federally and getting involved regardless of where their politics stand, if they are a sportsman or sportswoman. Okay, so again, if you are just tuning in, we're chatting with Gabriella Hoffman, media strategist and political commentator, and she's really laying out the case for us not to be silent. And I just want to echo what you said, because you really put it in terms that we can, everyone can understand that it's not enough to say, well, I'm a conservationist, I, you know, I'm an angler, and I, I contribute in that way. We, I appreciate that. It's so needed. And I really, I can't say enough how there's a lot of people get, you know, your kind of rock star status if you're supporting the Second Amendment and you do that. But supporting conservation efforts and keeping uh, access open for people to hunt and to fish is integral to preventing the overgrowth, uh, you know, overpopulation of predators and mm-hmm. an imbalance in our ecosystem. And this is not like uh, sometimes... I call people who get crazy about stuff that they believe in alarmists, like climate alarmists, (laughs) you know, you know what I mean? It's like, they're, they're not just concerned about preventing something or, or, you know, being responsible. They want to do drastic changes that would actually harm people and harm the environment. And environmentalists have become alarmists 
where they're no longer Absolutely. concerned with keeping things clean, right? They're, they're not concerned with cleaning up water. They're fine with spills. No. They're fine with killing millions of birds with wind power, even mm-hmm. though wind power is, is not a viable source for sustained energy usage for our population at its current size. So what you're talking about is common sense. In addition to doing the things that you may totally love and enjoy, the hunting, the fishing, it's the voting that we have to pay attention to as well to preserve the mechanism by which people get to hunt and to fish. Yeah, and making sure your lawmakers who are representing you aren't voting your rights away, not only for your guns, but also for you to partake in your hunting heritage. And maybe many of your listeners don't know this, although there's no amendment that enshrines the right to hunt in this country, individual states, I think close to 30 states across the country or maybe more. I will get you the correct number, but a good handful, dozens of states across the country have a right to hunt and fish amendment enshrined in their individual state constitutions. In Virginia, we have that. North wow. Carolina was just the, uh, the most recent state to adopt it. I believe Missouri may have it. Many different states have it, and some states may have that amendment apply to both hunting and fishing or only just to fishing. Um, they usually don't only just have it to hunting. Usually hunting and fishing go together, but if it's a state like California, for instance, they only have a right to fish amendment, I believe, enshrined wow. in their constitution. But but there are actually certain provisions at the state level, which I think is fine um, to have that. Individual states can decide that. But if people, if they have that constitutional amendment and you see your lawmakers actually voting in things against it, you can cite that and say, what are you doing? You're going against the constitution of our state, voting this essential piece of our heritage away. It's about being proactive, being vigilant, uh, much like on the gun issue, but even just for something that relates to your lifestyle and the outdoor recreation industry recently was just tabulated to comprise about 2% of the gross domestic product. The people who partake in hunting, fishing, boating, hiking, anything related to the outdoors, they are actually big contributors to the economy, billions of dollars are generated each year, and now it's finally recognized in the GDP. So they do, they don't obviously uh, occupy most of the GDP, but they're starting to be players in the GDP, and people should listen to how outdoor recreationalists uh, think and and what their perspectives are, especially those who thrive and, and rely on and live off the land if they're more rural, or even people who live in urban areas like myself who partake in these activities and go outside just to relieve stress and to have fun and introduce people to the joy of it, to not get so suckered into their technology. But anyone can be outdoorsy. There's no prerequisite to it. It doesn't matter your racial background. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. Whether you're a late adopter or an early adopter, anyone can enjoy the outdoors. And it does bring people together, and it really strengthens family ties. I was able to bond with my dad, and I still do to this day because we went fishing together and still do go fishing. And so many people have that bond between their parents and them to not get hooked and suckered into drugs, to partake in different uh, bad life choices that could impede their career or impede their uh, decisions in the future. So it really is a good deterrent to bad behavior. If you're law-abiding, you buy your licenses, you practice ethics, and just really learn what a conservationist is and not simply just talk about it either. But there's just so much value to learning how to fish, learning how to hunt, hiking, Mm -hmm. foraging. I love going foraging for mushrooms just because my family's from Eastern Europe, and it's a cool thing to do to forage for wild things if you know that they're not lethal and poisonous, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Got to have some training. 
there's just so much you can learn beyond your office or beyond the Twitter space, uh, for instance, these days. And, and people are missing out on real life by just not partaking in the outdoors. And they don't have to go gung-ho. They don't have to be a fly angler. They don't have to buy deep-sea fishing trips or go on African safaris or go hunting for bears. You can start simple and start small. And by default, Republicans, a lot of Republicans do support this and do do this. Uh, but they just have have a have had a difficulty with trying to find their way in the conversation and and do it while keeping their principles in line, but also being taken seriously. So mm-hmm. anyway, I can help people in our movement. That's kind of my goal. I try to consult. I'm I'm consulting some state lawmakers in the state nearby about how to be effective on digital branding. So if any lawmakers out there want to help with digesting hunting and fishing conservation language and efforts, like I'm available for hire. I do training all across the country to help people really message effectively on that, not just people on our side, but also the greater causes to like the great outdoors. Um, so I want to make myself available to people who are interested in how to message that to Republicans and to young people too. And I want to point people to her Instagram. She and I are, I, I mean, we're connected in a ton of different ways, but my favorite channel of yours is your Instagram account. Oh, She's at Gabriella underscore Hoffman at Thank Gabriella you, underscore Hoffman. And she has great content on there. So you're not only going to see pics of Gabby hunting and foraging and doing, you know, all the cool stuff, but you'll see um, links to some of her work for her writing and things like that. So you can keep up with the topics that Gabrielle is covering. Um, you can also find her on Twitter. I think you're pretty consistent. You're at Gabriella Hoffman un- underscore at Gabriella underscore Hoffman. Um, and you, what, what I encourage you to do is just get, get on there, take a look at what she's doing. And certainly um, if you have a, an organization or a legislator that you think would benefit from the training, you're going to want to get in and get, but cause she's, she's hotly in demand over here, uh, operating out of Washington, DC, but she travels <laughs> so she can come to you and do the training. Absolutely. And I've, I've caught snippets of all the good stuff and it's really, it's, it's just a pleasure to have someone you're, you're presenting this information. Obviously, you know, you're, you're right leaning, but this is information that can be absorbed by anyone, regardless of politics. Absolutely. We're talking about conserving our environment and doing it in ways that doesn't infringe on people's freedoms and having fun. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get much better than that. Gabby Hoffman, media strategist, political commentator. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you, Stacey. I hope I get to see you sometime soon again. It's been a while. I know. And we missed each other at CPAC, but I was in and out. Like I came to broadcast and then I was right back out again Friday night. But I will. We're going to have to have like dinner and drinks next time I'm in D.C. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. And thank you for hearing me out today. Oh, yeah. Let's talk again soon. Gabriella Hoffman. Have a good week. All right, we'll be back with more right after the stuffy Stacy today. <laughs> Stay there. 2018 was the busiest year ever for Eight Days of Hope. Steve Tiber. Over 6,000 volunteers descended to Southeast Houston over a three-week period during Eight Days of Hope 14, 15, and 16 and helped over 1,000 families rebuild their homes all in the name of Jesus. Also, Hurricane Florence hit North Carolina. We had volunteers, leaders, and equipment in New Bern, Fayetteville, and Wilmington. And then, of course, Hurricane Michael striking the Panhandle of Florida. We were in Panama City Beach for five weeks, loving and serving families who had nowhere to turn. 2019 could even be busier as we plan to go back to some of these same communities to be a glimpse of who Jesus is by using the gifts he's given us to bless those who are looking for a glimmer of hope. Go to 8daysofhope.com, submit your email address, 
and we'll notify you of our plans in 2019. American Family Association is pleased to partner with 8 Days of Hope, and you can too. Learn more at 8daysofhope.com. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. In life, you may find yourself wearing different hats. You may wear the hat of a father, judge, caregiver, or wife. The list goes on. But with each hat, we are not to allow the name on that particular hat to be our main identity. Have you ever begun to place your confidence in the names of one of your hats more than having your identity in Jesus? I know I have. When our significance is placed in the title of a hat, we will always fall short because we are imperfect beings. But when our identity is in Jesus Christ, whether we fail the next test in school or don't quite meet the deadline at work, it will not affect our confidence in God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 tells us that we are chosen of God, holy and truly loved. Our identity needs to be secured in Christ and He alone. Find and meditate on the scriptures that tells you who you are in Him. And you better wear that hat. I'm today's urban woman, Victory Hollyfield. Connect with us more at urbanfamilytalk.com. This is House Call for Health. Baseball fans were saddened to hear the news that Hall of Fame pitcher Tom Seaver is suffering from dementia. Many of us have seen and watched helplessly as a loved one shows signs of dementia, including a decline in short-term memory and repeating themselves. It's such a common situation that you might think that if you live long enough, dementia is inevitable. But researchers say that's not necessarily true. A new study from Australia finds that good nutrition can play a major role in brain health. Many health experts believe a diet that's rich in green leafy vegetables, whole grains and olive oil, but limited in red meat, can help keep your mind sharp. The study published in the journal Alzheimer's and Dementia found this kind of diet reduced the chances of developing what doctors call, quote, mild cognitive impairment or dementia. For more health news, go to foxnewshealth.com. House Call for Health, I'm Joy Piazza, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Over the past few days, Venezuelans have been thrown literally into darkness thanks to a massive electrical blackout. Patients awaiting treatment in hospitals are dying. Food is rotting. Telecommunications networks are entirely collapsing. It's worth spending just a minute on how we got here. Nicolas Maduro promised Venezuelans a better life in a socialist paradise. And he delivered on the socialism part, which has proved time and time again is a recipe for economic ruin. The paradise part, not so much. No nation has done more to sustain the death and daily misery of ordinary Venezuelans, including Venezuela's military and their families, than the communists in Havana. Cuba is the true imperialist power in Venezuela. The Cuban government of Miguel Diaz-Canel provides political cover for Maduro and his henchmen so that they may stay in power. So we're talking about people who are spending hours and hours and hours lined up um, to get access to substandard health care. And these people are suffering under the jackboot of socialism and just saying it makes it so that you know you just get shot down um so 
I feel for the people in Venezuela because even when we send them our um, our aid, they just they're not getting it. The Maduro regime is preventing our aid from getting in there, and these people deserve an opportunity to uh, to bounce back. I just uh, it's so sad. Um, it's so sad what they're going through. So. What, what we have to do is just we can keep praying for them. We can keep sending the aid down there and we can keep hoping for uh, the best. Now, I know there's Women's History Month this month. And I know that, you know, for me, I just I hate that we have relegated black history to the month of February instead of having it all year round. Um, you know, and I, I posted a bunch of really encouraging things during Black History Month about how America is the best place to be a black person. Um, and that the opportunities are here and that all we have to do is just take them. And I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And if you looked at the Black History Month post that I did on Facebook, you'll see they were uplifting, encouraging stories of Americans who've made a difference or, or you know, accomplished things who happen to be black, who they're, they're an example of what you can do in this country. And there's so many people. You, I, that's why a month is just ridiculous. And. It's the same for Women's History Month. It's as if to say that we don't study women in history. We do. Uh, so I, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I, I wanted to point to, and I just tweeted it out to say thanks to Gabby for coming on today. I tweeted out her article about Women's History Month, and she wrote that women aren't politically monolithic and women don't feel that Democrats represent them. You know, yeah, a majority of women are Democrats. But there's a huge plurality of women in this country who are Republicans, and they don't feel well represented by Democrats. And it's perfectly fine for there to be women of every political persuasion, but the Republican women are not, uh, they're not acknowledged. They're not, they're not represented. When you see the awards that go out for, the, for, for women, they always have women who are Democrats. They never award anything to any Republican women. It's as if it's a statement about the lack of accomplishments of a Republican women, but that's just not true. It is not true. Um, so there's also this ridiculous assertion that white women shouldn't vote for Republicans. Um, and there was this article, Gabby points to an article that was in Vogue, where they said the latest gut punches courtesy of CNN polling in the Georgia governor's race and estimated 75% of white women, even more than white men, voted for Republican Brian Kemp, who is passionately pro-life over Stacey Abrams, who is a staunch protector of what they call women's reproductive rights. Now, now she's a supporter of abortion and Republican women tend to be against abortion and they tend to be single issue voters, meaning they place one issue as paramount above all the rest. And then, you know, so you can check the tick boxes for other issues, but you start off with is the person pro-life or not? And if they're not, they're automatically off your list. That is the same way that Democrats consider abortion they look and see if someone's pro-abortion and if they are pro-abortion then they're like okay and so they almost don't care what else the person is standing for what's what's like who cares so independent thinking women are turned off by socialist origins and and a similar holiday uh coinciding with women's history month is international women's day which sadly has socialist origins which is why if you look at my social media i didn't celebrate international women's day I'm not an international woman. I'm an American, right? So, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I don't need that. Um, 
International Women's Day, according to the people who support it, is all about unity, celebration, reflection, advocacy, action, whatever that looks like globally at a local level. It's been occurring for well over a century and continues to grow from strength to strength. But it leaves out conservatives, independents, pro-life women, and anybody who's not basically a socialist is left out of, you know, International Women's Day, which is why I didn't celebrate it. It's not for me. Okay. Um, Politically and culturally underrepresented women are, you know, they claim represented this month. How about just representing people? And I know there are, you know, there's, there's always this pushback. Well, men have dominated this and that. And so therefore we need to celebrate women. Well, we've, we've completely reversed that trend. More women are graduating from college than men. More women by a large number. We're talking about over 70% of the people pursuing doctorates are women. Um, and you might say, well, that's the way it should be. Let the men take a back seat for a while. Are you married to a man? Do you have any sons? Do you have any brothers? It's not good in America for the majority of the people who are earning the higher salaries to be women because it disincentivizes marriage and drives down the birth rate. So this is a conversation for people who can think further than the end of their nose. You have to be able to look ahead and say, I see trouble coming. What do we have to do to reverse that trend? The trend in between human relations between men and women is that women seek men for marriage who make more money than they do, who have a potential of earning and supporting a family so they can feel comfortable taking off from work and, uh, you know, having a baby or two or three. Well, you can't do that if you don't feel like your spouse is going to be able to support you. So one of the most important things that has to happen is for people to have an understanding of where this leads to. Some people will be fine with it. Some people will say women should be the breadwinners, men should stay home. But that is not the traditional way that men and women interact. And it's not something that's sustainable over time. And so when we see... Uh, statistics about the suicide rate or, uh, you know, different, different groups not doing well in this country. And you see people online on Twitter celebrating that. Yeah, this group of people are killing themselves and that's good. That's idiocy. We don't want any group of people in our country to be more prone to suicide. We don't want to see suicide increasing. We don't want to see marriage decreasing. And we certainly don't want to see the current trend, which is out of wedlock births and women who are professionals now Instead of seeing it as a stigma to be a single parent, they're like, well, I've done everything else on my own. I'm going to do this on my own too. And intentionally bringing children into single parent households. It's statistically not favorable. The kids are always wondering, where's my dad? Why don't I have a dad? And it creates and sets up this false sense. Well, I was able to do my career on my own and I was able to get my degree and all that on my own. And now I'm going to make a family on my own and I'm going to raise a child. It's, it's not all it's cracked up to be. It's upsetting. And then what do women do? They start looking at the government and saying, well, the government should give me paid leave. The government should uh, you know, provide this service and that service. The, I need a better this. I need a better that. And we need to get the government to force my employer to do it because there are no men in their life, no husband, no one to, you know, the sink is leaking, no one to fix that. And so your answer is, well, I can fix the sink. Of course you can. Can you do it if you're a single mom and you have, you know, baby to look after and you have to work all day and when you get home and feed the baby and do everything else has to do, do all the laundry yourself, do all the car repairs yourself. You also have time to fix the sink. 
Well, I'll call a plumber. Of course you will. I mean, if you're, if you're making that much money, you can blunt the effects of single parenthood. But the truth is, why would you want to? Why do you want to raise a child by yourself? Why do you want to live your entire adult life alone, going it by yourself and just you and a child? And why do you want to set yourself up to be the person who has to answer those questions? Where's my dad? Why don't I have a dad? Why are we not like, you know, this family or that family? Because as prevalent as single parenthood has become, the two parent model is still the ideal and kids know it, single parents know it. And to intentionally go into that, it's just, it's folly. So we need to discourage that. It's a great piece by uh, Gabriella, and I kind of took it off on a tangent, but the link is on my Twitter feed. You can definitely go there and click on it and read through. It's uh, really good stuff. And so I mentioned the North Korean parliament. It, to me, it's a scandal. Um, they have all the people outside on voting day, and what they do is they make people show up to vote. They also have people out with pom-poms and festive colored paper and streamers and ribbon to cheer, to act as if this, is, this mandatory activity is something that people should be excited about. So there's a voting booth where you can vote in private. Remember I was talking about how they get one, a sheet of paper with only one, one slate of names on it. You don't get to change anything. You just take the piece of paper, you take it over to the box and you put it in and that's you voting you're not really voting because it, the decision's already been made. So you put it in the ballot box, which is located in the open. But then there's also a voting booth where you can do this mandatory behavior in private. But doing it in private raises immediate suspicion, so no one does it. Now, you theoretically have the right to cross out the single candidate, but doing that most certainly means the secret police will go after you and declare you legally insane. Once you leave the polling station, you're expected to join the cheering groups outside to express your happiness about having been able to cast your vote for the wise leadership of the country. In state media, election days are portrayed as festive events with people outside each polling station celebrating. But because the voting is obligatory, the election also works as a census for the authorities to monitor the population of each constituency and to track defectors who might have fled to China since the last election. Did you hear that? The people are made to come out and vote in sham elections where they don't have a choice. And also, it's an involuntary census where they can take your name and your address and make sure that you're still in the country. <laughs> so... You might be wondering, well, what powers does this mandatory parliament have? The Supreme People's Assembly, SPA. Well, they're a rubber stamp body with no power. They're elected every five years. They're the only legislative body in North Korea. And um, the SPA has zero power, zero power. Their laws are written by the party apparatus, and then the SPA just rubber stamps them. They don't get to say what's in the laws or change anything. Uh, they can't even make, you know, like grammatical changes. Now, the SPA doesn't even meet regularly. In their first meeting, they elect a much smaller body to work in their stead. The original assembly only comes together for on rare occasions. And um, so then they make all these announcements afterwards. After they hold this election, they make these announcements about how 
there was this impressive turnout that um, in 2014, they had 99.97 people voting. And this is what Democrats use as proof that these systems are better than the American system, where you have a choice to vote and we have lower turnout. The reason these people are turning out is because they don't want to be attacked by the police. They don't want to be declared insane. They don't want to be forced into labor or servitude or disappear in the middle of the night. So a few people might be ill and, you know, not vote. But the joke in North Korea is on election day, no one dies and everyone is in good health. Then Kim Jong-un releases constituency numbers. Both turnout and political support of Kim Jong-un are normally reported at 100%. Then they result, they publish results for the other constituencies. Turnout might be a few percentage points lower, but political support for the candidates in each constituency are again bound to be 100%. And that's the voting process in North Korea, a communist nation where the people are essentially slaves and cannot leave. You can't you can't say, I no longer want to be a citizen of North Korea, not and live. This is absolutely crazy town, but it's going on in North Korea. It is the way that they have to live. So, you know, I'm, I mean, it's depressing. And it's a reason why we should be doing everything in our power to preserve our Constitution, Bill of Rights, and our liberties that we enjoy here in America. It's why this show is about politics <laughs> and culture, all from the Christian worldview. All right. Have a fantastic evening, and I'll be back with you tomorrow, Lord willing. Have a great night. <laughs>